My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with T.J. Travis. Though it doesn't get nearly the same attention as its flashier and more confrontational cousins like direct action, or demonstration, or strike, or protest, one element in the repertoire of popular movements has always been mutual aid. Marginalized people coming together to collectively support each other and meet each other's needs in the face of uncaring elites and dominant institutions. T.J. Travis grew up in the Sandwich Town neighborhood of Windsor, Ontario, a small industrial city right across the border from Detroit. It's a very poor neighborhood, and many of its residents are marginalized in other ways as well. An artist, musician, and poet, Travis has also trained as a social worker, but was feeling dissatisfied with what conventional social work practice could actually do for communities. Instead, he and others took inspiration from their experience of the Occupy movement and decided to bring the grassroots spirit of cooperation and mutual aid that Occupy encampments represented for so many to addressing marginalization and poverty in Sandwich Town. They got access to a building in the neighborhood, it's Travis's aunt that owns it, fixed it up, put a sign out front saying the Bloomfield House, opened the space to the community, and waited to see what would happen. And the community has responded with enthusiasm. With no major external funding, in less than two years they now have multiple locations in the neighborhood, a community cleanup initiative, a food share program, programming for children, a weekly community drum circle and potluck, rich arts-based programming for people of all ages, a soon-to-be-open arts-focused free school, and lots more. I spoke with Travis about the Bloomfield House, where it came from, how it works, and the amazing mutual aid and grassroots community empowerment that it's helping to catalyze in Sandwich Town. We spoke by Skype to phone from Windsor. My name is TJ Travis. I'm a community activist and organizer. I have a background in social work, and I'm an artist, visual, poetic, and musical. The Bloomfield House is a grassroots community initiative that started in 2013. Our original mission was to create a safe and accessible space for human development through community outreach. The root of our goal was to uh, organize, mobilize, and revitalize a uh, marginalized community in Windsor, Ontario. I was born in a place called Sandwich Town. It's a small community inside Windsor. It's a very marginalized community, lots of poverty. But growing up in that community, I was conditioned to it, so I didn't realize that we were marginalized and that there was opportunities that we didn't have access to. And it wasn't until I had transferred to a secondary school that was outside of the community, but I began to realize the programming that was available to other folks and not available to us. I was meeting people inside this particular high school who, in the vein of art, they were trained in singing and dancing and all these sorts of things, and those were things that people in my area didn't really fathom. 
the idea of taking a dance class didn't really exist, you know, in the collective consciousness of our particular area. And I had decided at that point that there has to be a way to filter some of these resources. But I had to learn and understand why society was cut up the way that it was cut up. And when I was in my early 20s, I started a small production company called Abstract Entertainment. And what we were going to try to do is we were going to try to get that, the arts back out to people as a tool to bring communities back together. And coming out of that experience, I decided to go back to school and study in social work. You know, disappointed in the way that social workers are, are utilized. I'm not going to say all of them, but the way that the system is built around, you know, there's some of bureaucracy. There's not a lot of opportunity to get your hands dirty and get the grunt work done. So I decided to work outside the box of the system of social work and get into a real grassroots initiative. The first big initiative I was involved in is a space called the Windsor Youth Center. And our goal there is to meet the immediate and most basic needs for at-risk and vulnerable youth. And being a part of this particular organization gave me the opportunity to sit at a lot of different tables and join a lot of committees and see the way that money was being dispersed throughout the city and how none of it was making its way back to, you know, my home neighborhood where I grew up in Sandwichtown. Sandwichtown, where we are right now, it's a very special place as it's one of the oldest settlements in all of Canada. And it has deep First Nations roots and it has deep underground railroad roots. Any other city would have took a community like this and they would have used it as a living museum. We still have standing buildings that reflect, you know, big historical events that happened, you know, in this nation. But instead of it being lifted up in that way, we have historical buildings that are being closed down and boarded up. The people that are living in the area now, most of the people that are here, they've been here for generations. They're living in, you know, their parents' houses, their grandparents' houses. It's an older population, but we also have a very large growing population of refugee and new Canadians here. It's a very, very diverse community with loads of potential, but not a lot of nurturing from the municipality. There's no support for a local economy here to keep things pushing. We have a municipality that is extracting resources from this community and then using it to develop in other places. And this has been going on for a very long time. Our high schools closed, our elementary school closed, the community centers have, have moved out of the area. Healthcare is very, very thin around here. There's not a lot of opportunity to build on what they left for us. But what it did is it provided us with a blank canvas to begin to build for ourselves in a cooperative way. So I decided that I was going to try to find a way to put together a grassroots initiative that would help to filter these resources back into the community, but to make sure that the community was running the organization. So we developed the Bloomfield House, which is a grassroots community outreach center that's run by the community. Everything that happens in here happens because of the collective. The seed was planted in 2011 during the Occupy encampment that had established itself here in Windsor at our city hall. I was inspired to share a space with folks who naturally came together and developed an intentional cooperative community. And I had taken a drive across the country and visited many other Occupy encampments from here to Halifax, and I noticed the same thing. So I really began to believe that a community could 
come together and they could function in this way if somebody was willing to start to develop a framework for it. So from 2011 to 2012, I was working with some like-minded progressive folks around the city and in different areas that were also marginalized. And we were strategizing ways to develop community cooperatives without having any overhead, you know, without having any money or anything like that. And I got the opportunity to get this building here in Sandwichtown. It's a building that is owned by an aunt of mine, owned by our family for a long time. And she was uh, renting it out, and she was getting a lot of tenants that would come and go, come and go. And finally, the building was empty. And it was a building that had a house in the back as well as a storefront. A lot of the work that I was doing previously wasn't specific to the area that we're in right now, but this is the area that I grew up in. So I had some connections here already. The people on the street, they knew who I was, and they were interested in this idea that a community could run their own community center. And everybody wanted to improve their neighborhoods for themselves, for their families, make sure it was a safe space for the kids. So everybody jumped on board pretty quick. And then it was learning as we went. Like every day we learned something new. The space is a month-to-month space. You know, we would fundraise to come up with cash to cover the rent and the utilities. And then we would volunteer our time to make sure that all the programs are running smoothly. We started the Bloomfield House with $700. That was enough to pay the first month rent. We had a 50-50 shot of the community surrounding it with their energy, and and they did. Our approach was to bring the community into the building, an empty building. Like I said, our first mission statement was to create a safe and accessible space, period. You know, invite people in and find out what the most immediate needs were and what we could feasibly accomplish in a small amount of time. So people would come in and they say, well, we need things like child programming for kids that are 12 and under because there's a big gap there. What can we do? So we began to develop programming. Another issue was food. So we would work towards putting together a community pantry that would be run like a food share program. You know, take what you need and leave what you can if you can. But the greatest connector was the community drum circles. Every Thursday since we opened up the doors to this place, we've done a community potluck and a drum circle. And the drum circle got the neighbors out of their houses. I'm talking about a neighborhood where people have lived next door to each other for years and have never met each other. And now we're cooking together and eating together. We're playing drums. We're allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and we're allowing ourselves to be nurtured by the support of the collective community. And that's really what pushed our whole program into where it is right now. It was developing those conversations, building those relationships, and then having some conversation about how we can address the issues that were plaguing our community. The Sandwich Town community has been bought up by a big corporation and they've been boarding up houses and things like that. People in the neighborhood had, you know, maybe become a bit complacent and angry and tired and none of these things were being addressed. Well, now we had a collective voice to start to address these sorts of things and we did things like put together community cleanups. We adopted the street in the name of the Bloomfield Road community and really started to take ownership of our little, little space out here and work towards revitalizing it. And since that time, we've been really pumping a lot of art programs into the community. We've brought in piano lessons and voice lessons and poetry classes, dance classes, these sorts of things. It's brought us some attention, you know, from the municipality of Windsor, where we live. 
to where they had given us some money to run our programs. And now we're moving towards opening up a, a free school of creative arts very, very soon. And we've also been able to open up a daycare center as well as a secondary community outreach center. So since we've established ourselves, we moved from just a Bloomfield house to four separate but connected community outreach centers. And just under a year and a half, we've far exceeded any expectations that I had, and it's been very, very exciting. As the time goes by, the community has really grown together as a family, and that's really important in the uh, sustenance of the programming and the intention of revitalizing our community here, because now we're on the map. The municipality of Windsor recognizes Sandwich Town as a community, but they recognize the Bloomfield House because they're cognizant of this community that has been running all of these programs with no startup funding, you know, no real support from themselves or any corporate funding or anything like that. And it's been really intriguing to a lot of the other agencies who are connected to the government to know that something like this could exist. And we've been able to develop partnerships in that respect because they have more uh, stretch to run outside-the-box programs than what they are able to do inside of that framework of the social programs that are provided to the city of London. One of the philosophies was we can't really revitalize our streets. We can't improve our street until we begin to improve ourselves, you know, holistically. So a lot of our programming early on came from that train of thought. I began to offer community classes in meditation and drum circles and things like that. People were taking the opportunity to feel themselves out, clear their minds, these sorts of things. And then we could move forward. And everything just kept on growing. Like people who would come into the Bloomfield House community, they would bring their skill or their talent with them. And that's how all of our programs began to establish. Musicians began to teach music. Labor activists would come in and do workshops in labor activism. We had a First Nations collective that would come in and they would teach their traditions. People would just kind of bring in what they had and then trade it for something else, you know, knowledge training. And that's how all of our programs had come together. At what point did you manage to start getting a little bit of funding? In September of 2013, it was beginning to get chilly. And the way that we were generating our own, our own income up to that point is we were doing yard sales every weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we were selling stuff. People in the neighborhood that couldn't support us in a monetary way, they would donate us the stuff out of their basements that they weren't using, and we would have yard sales and sell stuff, which would bring in an income. In September, we began to get cold, so we had a community meeting, and we had decided that we would uh, turn our storefront into a community thrift store. We registered the thrift shop, and we began to operate it as a, a business that was run cooperatively with the folks in the neighborhood. And it opened up a cool opportunity for folks who had been unemployed or underemployed for a long time to start getting, you know, some training and running a store. And that's when we started to establish some income. It wasn't a lot of income, but it was something. But still up to this point, up to like today, we still haven't received any large monetary endorsements from anybody. Tell me about the free school that you're developing. In, I'd say probably 2012, 
the Ontario Arts Council, they started a program called Neighborhood Spaces. The idea was they would put an artist in residence in different communities, and they would start running art programs, whether they were visual arts or music or drama. Now, down the street from the Bloomfield House, there's a space called the Sandwich Teen Action Group. And the Neighborhood Spaces project that went there focused on music. So they took a classroom inside the building, and they filled it with instruments. Through the grant, they hired music teachers, and they were teaching the youth in the neighborhood music. I'd say they probably ran out of funding. I'm not completely sure about that. But the program stopped. So what we ended up having now is a classroom that was filled with musical instruments but nobody utilizing it. There was no teachers in there, so they weren't bringing any students in there. So we had a bunch of dusty guitars and pianos and many, many other instruments. And it had come to my attention, like the Sandwich Teen Action Group was a place that I grew up in when I was an adolescent. So I still have a pretty close connection over there. It came to my attention that this space existed. So I began working on a proposal to try to get into that space. Now, at that time, we didn't have access to music teachers or anything like that, but I knew that if they were willing to open up the door to us, we could certainly try to find that. Now, in the past seven months or so, the Bloomfield House has met many musicians who teach music and have decided that they were going to come and start running programs through the Bloomfield House, as well as visual artists and teachers of theater and poetry. So now we're in a situation where we have access to facilitators that are already running classes out of the Bloomfield House. We just need a bigger space. So I had put together a proposal for the Sandwich Teen Action Group to get into that space and begin to utilize it again and open up our program to the population of folks that are already using that particular community center. And one thing led to another, and we ended up with a classroom. And this is when we decided that we were going to create this creative sanctuary, this free school of creative arts. And tell me why you think it's important to have a lot of arts-based stuff going on. What does that add to the community? Well, this is personal opinion, but I, I believe that the creative arts is the greatest outlet for personal expression. A lot of kids are really, really tied to that television system right now and the video game system when they're staying in the house and they're not expressing themselves, but they're being conditioned by the things that they're watching on the television and the commercials and things like that. And this really gives the kids an opportunity to peel all of that stuff back and be that strange energy that's just flowing inside of them. And it's like the drum circle. It allows these children to be vulnerable and then experience what it's like to be supported by your friends in that moment of vulnerability. And it's also things that just weren't accessible before. The kids in our neighborhood never thought of taking, you know, piano lessons, never thought of taking voice lessons. It was so, so far from, it's just something you didn't really think about. And now we have children that are coming in and they're being classically trained in music and they're learning musical theory and these sorts of things, and it builds up self-esteem in such a big way, and it it gives the okay to look at the world a little differently. You know, we don't have to live in this world as it's been presented to us. We can create the world that we want to live in, which is a very important thing, you know, coming from these marginalized communities where everything is sort of pointing at, you know, this is where you belong. Never look outside the box. There's nothing out there for you. 
And now we have a community of kids who they know the sky is not the limit. What is the decision-making process at the Bloomfield House? Everything at the Bloomfield House is decided through consensus. Everything is very, very organic here. It's always been that way. We don't have like a board of representatives. Everybody who chooses to be on the board is representative, and that is open to everybody who has decided to be a part of this intentional community. So anybody can call a meeting at any time. And we get together so often that the conversation is always happening. Like the community potluck and drum circle is every Thursday. That's a day where everybody always gets together, and we always have announcement time, and we always have an opportunity to speak on what's next, what we're doing, and the space is always wide open for anybody to come in and take a look at like financial books and things like that. Complete transparency. One thing that can often be a challenge, whether it's in an established organization or whether it's in, in grassroots community work, is sometimes there can be tensions across various kinds of difference. Are there, are there any things that you do at the Bloomfield House to make sure that those don't get in the way of building the kind of community that you want? We don't believe in the idea of seniority. It doesn't matter if you've lived in this house for 50 years and this person just came onto the block yesterday. Everybody's an equal participant and everything is moving towards the greater good of the community and not the specific person. So we do a lot of talk in our meditations and about ego. We focus a lot on decolonizing the mind from what we've been conditioned to behave and do something completely brand new. When the door to the Bloomfield House first opened up, the idea was everything inside this space belongs to everybody equally. Everything in here. And that's what we wanted to go out into the streets for people not to try to pick a little space and this is mine and you can't have it. We wanted to get into the idea that we're going to share everything that's here because we need to, because we're desperate and we have to lean on each other. So when those sorts of egos come into the community, that ego is laid to sleep very, very quick when people are surrounded by the sort of sincere and, and, and nurturing love that radiates from this space. Because there's nothing to fear when you begin to experience that sort of kindness and sincerity. So up to this point, we haven't had any issues with people who are coming in with ideas that butt heads because we believe there's enough room for all of the ideas. We can put energy around all of them or at least have the conversations around them. So one of the things that you mentioned was the importance in the work that the Bloomfield House does about the idea that to improve our community, we need to improve ourselves. And, you know, that's something that you hear from a lot of grassroots communities that are trying to do work to improve their situation. But you also sometimes encounter it where it kind of gets used as a weapon against communities as a way to blame them for their own circumstances. So how do you keep that importance of self-improvement centered, but fending off the idea that people are having hard times because it's their own fault? We try not to focus on the negativity that people might try to introduce into this particular environment. We have a lot of work to do and not a lot of time to focus on what other folks might be saying. Like we know that we have something here that's running smooth and it's organic and everybody is feeling nurtured inside of it, and we're going to keep on doing what we're doing. 
we went into this knowing that it wasn't going to be a handout situation and everybody that's involved is ready and willing to work very hard to keep what we have going, going. So those are the sorts of things that we don't really concern ourselves with. So you kind of touched on this before, but maybe draw a little bit more clearly the continuity that you see between some of those animating principles in Occupy and the work that the Bloomfield House is doing today. In 2011, there was a woman in Windsor. She had called a meeting at a cafe. And the reason for her calling the meeting was because she was inspired by what she had seen happening in in New York with the Occupy movement. And she was going to protest down at City Hall, and she was going to elect a tent on a particular day. I forget which day it was. But on that day, droves of people came out. And the idea was just to have a rally. But then everybody decided to put up tents as well. And then we had this Occupy community, a community of strangers. There were men, there were women, pushing like right across the spectrum of class, race, it was very, very diverse, and folks just came together. Some people came together just because they needed to be part of something. Other folks came together because they were connected to something else, but everybody pressed, and they all knew it. And people began to take on responsibilities, and we had this encampment that was just flowing so freely. It was, it was, it was growing. It was, it was inspirational. It was so inspirational that I wanted to see that this was happening, you know, in other spaces. So as I had mentioned, I jumped in the car and I started to drive to Occupy encampments across the country, talking to folks. And everything that I had learned, and it wasn't learned in, in like a, a structured way, but I just, I had this feeling that communities like the one that I grew up in could exist in this sort of way. We could work together in this way. So mustering over that for a couple of years, finally the opportunity to develop a space to begin to build with other people, this thing that I experienced, this thing that I couldn't even really quantify, couldn't even put a label on it at all, but just this thing that happened, this thing that exists. That's where the reference of the Occupy encampment comes from, because that was the first place that I seen that happen, or the first time that I was really paying attention that that was happening. And it just, it carried over. And once that Occupy encampment had taken down the last tent, the people stuck together. So the folks that I had met during that experience, they had also come to nurture the Bloomfield House and to get elbow deep in this grassroots community organizing. You have been listening to my interview with TJ Travis of the Bloomfield House in Windsor, Ontario. To learn more about their work, search for The Bloomfield House on Facebook. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. 